listening to Nightlight. Hello, very warm welcome once again to Nightlight. Great to be back with you. We're going to do something different this week. We're going to listen to a sermon. And this is preached by David Kiran when he visited us from Hyderabad in India in July of this year. Now, this was at the beginning of a very fruitful and busy one month here in Uganda, in which, teaming up with Melvin, they taught classes in churches, universities, youth groups in a number of different towns all over the country. Now, what you're going to hear today is the first sermon that David preached, or the first class, shortly after he arrived, and this was in a Ugandan church. And we'll go right into it after this opening song from Barbara Kayaga.
upright while listening to Nightlight. He led a different team of friends and visitors last week. Now he's leading another team. And I would like to invite him to please come and say a little bit about your team and then uh, invite the preacher. Please welcome Simon. Thank you. It's nice to be back. Go sit down, please. It's nice to be back again so soon. So, um, without further ado, I'm going to introduce another visitor from India. Remember last week we had uh, three visitors from India. I'm going to introduce to you David. Um, he's from uh, Fellowship in Hyderabad, uh, where I've attended a couple of times. As I said, I started my missionary journey in India many years ago, and so I still have friends and families over there who I keep in contact with. And I went to a couple of um, wonderful fellowships in Hyderabad, which was led by uh, David. And I thought, oh, it'd be wonderful if he... I mean, since then, I've been inviting him to come to Uganda to teach here. So he is here. Uh, this is going to be his first teaching in a Ugandan church. He's been teaching our staff uh, for our tribal Bible ministry the last few days. So here's David. God bless you. So good morning. God bless you all. Such a pleasure to be here. You know, from, I just, just before I start, I want to share a little bit. When I was five years old, I read a book, and that book was about Africa. And I read about the wonderful people, and the animals, and the nature, and the scenery, and all the colors and vibrant things. And I told the Lord, one day I want to go to Africa. And every year I kept saying, Lord, is this the year? Is this the year? And it really didn't work out. And for the past few years, I mean, um, Simon invited me as far back as 2013. And every year it's been really hard to say no, but, you know, you pray about it and there's always so much more on the schedule because I travel a lot throughout the year. But this time when Simon extended the invitation, I prayed about it and the Lord finally said, Go. So here I am 26 years later, and this is my first few days in Africa. So it's, it's proof that, you know, God's promises, they never return void. They, when he gives you a vision for your life, it doesn't matter how long he takes to bring it to pass, he will. I mean, Abraham received the call of God when he was in his 70s. He did not have the promised child until he was 100 waiting though between 25 to 30 years without seeing it. So before we get into sharing, I just want to say that if there's something that God has laid on your heart, if there's a vision that he has for your life, and there's something that he has asked you to do for him, but you're not seeing the way to do it yet, don't give up hope. Don't give up faith. Keep believing. Keep trusting because God always works in mysterious ways, in ways that we do not know. We do not know his timing because we see in a very small way. We have what we call tunnel vision. All we see is what we have today and maybe what's happening tomorrow. Some of us are a bit better planners and we can plan for next week and next month. God sees the beginning. God sees the end. God sees the moment of creation to the conclusion of creation in one moment. There is nothing that's not known to him. And so in the fullness of time, as Pastor was saying, when it is ready, God will bring you into what he has for you. So I'm, and so I'm so happy that fullness of time has come for me now. I get to be here. And as Simon said, it's my first time ever speaking 
in a church here in Uganda, and I'm so excited. So thank you for having me. I want to say a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for bringing us here to be here with, uh, with you in your presence, to read your word, and to um, study from your scriptures the instruction that you have for our life. Jesus, you said where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. So Jesus, I ask that you please do be in our midst, that you please come as you said you would and make your abode with us, Jesus, in our hearts and in our minds. I pray that you open our hearts to your message and our minds to the truth, Jesus. I pray that you help everyone right now to be listening with the eyes of the Spirit. Jesus, as the psalmist David said, please open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your word. Because, Lord, as you said in the book of Hebrews, we know your word is alive. And we know that it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And it has a two-edged sword that cuts through everything in our life. And so, Lord, I pray that you please cut through everything right now. Any preconceived notions that we might have of what you want to share with us or any expectations that we might have brought in here for whatever this message is, Lord, help us to empty that right now. Help us to just be open to receiving your word, to receiving what you have to share with us, Jesus, because we know that the voice of your word is what will guide us through our lives. And I thank you for this opportunity to stand here and preach, Jesus. I don't take this lightly because I know it's a big responsibility. And therefore, I pray along with the psalmist, David, that let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. And I pray that when, when people hear a word today, they won't hear me speaking, Jesus, but it'll be the spirit of you, my Father in heaven, speaking through me. In your precious name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right. Do you mind if we start with a song? That's one thing you probably, you know, you realize about me for a while. I travel everywhere with my guitar. Some of you were here earlier in the, when we were doing the praise session and we were playing in the guitar. So I travel with my guitar because I feel that, you know, music is a great way to get into God's presence. And music is also a universal language because, you know, I travel to about 25 different countries. And every place I go to, they speak so many different languages, and they have so many different cultures and so many different things. But as soon as the music starts, everybody listens. And I believe that's because God created music within everyone's souls. I mean, you, you see it no better place than, here in, than right here in Uganda. The music starts, and people's feet start moving, people's heads start nodding, their hands start going, because the music that's in our souls starts coming out. And so I want to use that music to share, and I want to sing a song that you may know, but I want you, if you don't know it, just read the words on the screen, and I want you to think about it. It's a beautiful, beautiful song. It's called Come to Jesus. Unfortunately, the recording of David singing this live was distorted, so he asked me to play the original instead, which is by Chris Rice. Weak and wounded sinner Lost and left to die Oh, raise your head for love is passing by Come to Jesus Come to Jesus Come to Jesus And live now your burden's lifted and carried far away 
And precious blood has washed away the stain So sing to Jesus Sing to Jesus Sing to Jesus And live And like a newborn baby Don't be afraid to crawl And remember when you walk Sometimes we fall So fall on Jesus Fall on Jesus Fall on Jesus And live Sometimes the way is lonely It's steep and filled with pain So if your sky is dark And pours the rain Then cry to Jesus Cry to Jesus Cry to Jesus And live Oh, and when the love spills over And music fills the night And when you can't contain your joy inside Then dance for Jesus Dance for Jesus Dance for Jesus And live And with your final heartbeat Kiss the world goodbye Then go in peace And laugh on glory's side And fly to Jesus Fly to Jesus Fly to Jesus And live Fly to Jesus Fly to Jesus Fly to Jesus and live. That's the invitation that's open for everybody. Come to Jesus. It's an invitation that Jesus himself extended. Come unto me, all ye who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. When he looked out on the seashore and he saw Peter and John and James and Andrew, he looked at them and he said, follow me, come to me. And it's a call that people throughout the ages have heard because God is always calling everybody within their hearts and within their spirits. It's a call that you yourself have heard at some point in your life. Some of you once, some of you multiple times. But at one point, you decided to answer that call. At one point, you decided, I am going to listen to the call of God in my heart. And it brought you to him. It brought you to his fellowship. It brought you into the family of God. And when we come to Jesus, when we accept him into our life, the Bible says that we become new creatures. 
It says in 2 Corinthians, if you have your Bible, look it up, please. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. It says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I'll say it again because this is the word of God. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are gone. Behold, the new has come. All things have become new. When you enter into a relationship with Jesus, when you receive his salvation into your heart, you become a new creature. When you have answered the call of God, the call of God that you felt within your soul, and you said, yes, this is what I am called for. I am called to be a child of God. I am called to be in the family of Jesus. I will answer that call. God gave you the power to become a new creation. Here's my question to you. There are two billion Christians in this world. How come so few of them look like new creatures? How come so few of them look like they've had their lives truly transformed with all the old gone and all the new here? Because when a life is changed, when someone becomes a new creature, they change the world. The world is never the same. The first example of that was the 12 apostles. After Jesus died, they had their lives transformed. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with his word. They went out and they changed people's lives. And those people changed other lives. And through them, the world was changed when your life is transformed, you become a new person. And everything you do, everything around you is different. Why is it, if we're all promised this, this verse that says, if you are in Christ, you are a new creature, why is it? And this is the question that I really want to tackle today because if we understand this, and if we see what is required of us in order for us to become a new creation, we will become the world changers that God intended us to be. So let me tell you the reason why I feel, why people, when they come to Jesus, and Jesus gives them it, he's like, here, you heard the call, you've come to me, I've given you a new life. All things are passed away, all things are become new. And then what happens? We go back to our old life. We go back and face our old problems. We go back and get it back into our old habits. Why is that? There's a very, very famous saying that I want you to, if you get nothing else out of this today, get this saying down. And you can write it down if you want. It says, wherever you go, you are there. Yeah, it's a funny saying, exactly. The first time you, I read it, I read it on a fortune cookie. You know those fortune cookies that you see? And I read it and I was like, wherever you go, you are there. That sounds so dumb. It's, it's, but then it's true. I started thinking about it more. And it said, wherever you go, you are there. So who is you? You with all your problems. You with all your difficulties. You with all your mindsets. You with all your past life. And so when we come to Jesus and we enter into his family, wherever we go, there we are there. We are bringing everything us we are bringing our baggage we are bringing our thoughts we are bringing everything that we had before for our sinful life as the song says the weak and wounded sinner who was lost and left to die God called him he came but as he came 
he still came as himself. He came with his weakness, with his sins, with everything, and came before the throne of God, and God promised him a change, and God did change him in his heart. But unless that change takes place in your mind as well, even though you are saved, you will not be a new creature because you will always think, I am a sinner. You will always think, I am unworthy. You will always think, I am weak. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn to the 12th chapter of Romans because this is something that I really want us to get. Because this is Paul writing to the Romans. People who have never seen Jesus, they'd only heard about him. And now Paul is writing to them and helping them to understand what it means to be a child of God, what it means to be a follower of Christ. Romans 12 verse 1 says, And I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may know what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. When you are a new creature, your body becomes that living sacrifice for God to use in all the ways that he wants. But most of us don't reach that point because of verse 2. It says, we're not conformed to this world. You have to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Salvation takes place in your heart. Jesus comes and knocks at the door of your heart. You open the door of your heart. He saves you within. But there has to come a time when you understand that and understand what does it mean to be a child of God? What does it mean to be a new creation? What does it mean to live the will of God on earth? What does it mean to live as a follower of Christ? Because until you understand that, until that goes into your head and transforms your mind, you keep living the same old life again and again. Because whether we like it or not, our heads control everything that we do. And I, I study psychology, so I love throwing out these facts here and there. You know the average person has 60,000 thoughts a day? The average person, 60,000 thoughts a day. Now I see my friend over here is like, what, I have three. Food, job, family. Only thoughts in my head all day long. I agree with you. And let me tell you why. Every human has 60,000 thoughts in their head. Only about 200 become conscious every day. The rest float around in the back. And you know what brings those thoughts that become conscious to the front of your head? There's one part of your brain that's called your belief system. And whatever you think about yourself, whatever you think about the world, whatever your understanding is about life, that's the thoughts that are going to come to you at every moment that you are in. Have you ever heard the expression that two people can look at the same thing and come up with completely different conclusions? It's true. You want to know why? That part of your brain that tells you what to think. I'll give you an example. Recently, there was a death of a very close friend of mine. Three of us went to the funeral. Me, I went as an observer, and I'm watching my two friends talk. 
These two other guys, the four of us were super, super close. One of the guys was smiling. He had a smile on his face. He had happy thoughts. You know, he was just like, you know, well, I mean, sucks he's dead, but I'm kind of happy. And the other guy, devastated, crying, openly weeping over there. It's like, what? Did this guy love him any more than this guy? Does one love him less? You know, why is he happy? Well, if you talk to them and you understand, well, what, how does it work? You realize that the person who's happy, he believes that there is a life after death. He believes there is a kingdom to come. He believes that everyone who loves God will not meet for the last time, but in the heavenly kingdom, we will all be together as one. So his belief brings the thought into his head that I don't have to be sad because even though I've lost this person, I will see him again. And that gives him a positivity to be able to face it. However, the other guy was an atheist. He did not believe in God. And so he believed that when you die, you're gone. So what's in his head? In his head is like, I'm never going to be able to tell him everything I wanted to tell to him. He is lost forever and there's a piece of me that I'm never going to get back. How is that translated into his actions? He is weeping. He is sad because even though he might have a good heart, he has an incorrect mindset. He has an incorrect head. Even though you might have a good heart, if your mindset is wrong, if your mindset is not based on the word of Christ Jesus... You are not transformed. And only when you're transformed can you see the good and acceptable will of God. I'll give you another example. And this one might hit home. A week ago, in a shopping complex, a security guard shot a rich man over a fight over an empty trolley. Right here in Kampala. Now, I wasn't there. I wasn't a witness to the situation. But I can tell you that the person sitting there in that car who ended up dying was thinking with carnal thoughts. Why? When, when we are like Christ, when we put on the mind of Christ, what is Christ? He is humble. He is patient. The fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. No one get mad at you for being loving and kind. No one get mad at you for being patient. But how did this guy respond? To the th when the security guard said stop he got angry he got mad he's like how dare you talk to me like that do you know who I am and he tried to go rush on the way out and because he rushed on the way out he bumped the guard and the guard got mad he went to his got his gun and shot him by thinking with his carnal mind it cost him his life because while he may have been saved while he may have been a Christian while Jesus knew the truth about Jesus in his heart it wasn't taking place in his everyday life that's why the Bible says, put on the mind of Christ. You can only know the will of God once you are transformed in your mind. Let me tell you a story. There was once a farmer somewhere in southern Africa. And this farmer captured an eagle. You know what eagles are, right? It's huge, beautiful, big birds of prey. Powerful beaks, strong talons, big wig spans. These guys are the apex predator of the skies. What lions are on the ground, the eagles are up there. Anything that moves, swoop down and get it. Some of these places, they're so big they can run off with your dog or your baby cows. 
These birds are masters of prey. They are so incredibly powerful. And this eagle had been taking some of the farmer's goats. As the farmer finally managed to trap it and capture it. And when he captured it, he looked at the eagle and he said, this is such a beautiful thing. I don't want to kill it, but to teach it a lesson and to teach the lesson to everybody else, I'm going to tie a chain on his leg. I'm going to put it in a stick in the ground. And once it's in there, it's not going to be able to fly anymore. And so he took the eagle, put a chain on his leg, put it in a stick, stuck it in the ground, and the eagle was stuck. And the first few days, the eagle tried to fly and fly and pull and yank and bite the chain. Nothing. It was stuck. So what did the eagle start doing then? Just started walking in a circle. Nothing else to do. Chained up to the tree. Just walking in a circle. This once magnificent, beautiful beast that was meant to be flying in the sky. Living out its destiny as the apex predator of the sky. Is walking in circles on the ground. Tied up. And it did this for months. And the months turned into years. And finally, after a few years, the national security found out this guy had an illegal bird. And so they called the guard and they said, ha ha ha, he's not supposed to be keeping these things, you have to get rid of it. So then the animal rights agency came over and they said, oh no, you can't do it, take the bird away. So they took the bird, they took the chain off, they took the eagle, and then they said, okay, well, let's let it go. The poor guy's been tied here for so long. He'd been walking in circles for so many years, there was a hole where he was walking. And so they're like, no, no, we've got to let this bird go. So they took the bird, they grabbed it, and they said, you're free, fly. Fully expecting the bird to open up its wings, soar into the sunset. What happened? The bird flopped right back down, walked over to the stick, and kept walking in circles. No more chains. No more bands. What kept it there? In its head, I can never be free. This is my fate. This is what all that life has for me. Going in circles, doing this over and over again. And the bird never flew again. We were born free creatures. When God put man on this earth, he put him with a purpose. When God put man on this earth, he was made to have dominion over this world. He was made to take care of this world and to enjoy everything that was on it. And then sin entered the world. And when sin entered the world, man fell. And when he fell, he lost eternal life, problems, suffering, difficulties, negativity, all this stuff came into the world. It was like the devil put a chain on us, stuck us in the ground and said, this is your fate. Walk it. Keep walking this over and over again. And the Bible says that every single person is born into sin. When we come into the world, we come with that same default programming. This is all we have. My daily life, my daily routine, my same problems. My father was like this. My grandfather was like this. This is what our tribe has been doing for forever. We cannot change it. The same rut over and over again. Jesus, the master gamekeeper, arrives. Takes off the chain. It says, you are free, you are a new creature. Step into 
the fullness of life. Step into what I have for you. Step into the calling that I have placed in front of you. Become my world changers. Become what you were destined to be from the beginning, a new creation. But just like the bird, even though we're physically free, if we're still mentally bound, we will repeat the same small, unpowerful, and unfulfilling life, sin-filled life, problem-filled life, for which we have always been living. But that's not what God has in store for you. That's not why you were created. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. You were made with a purpose. You were made with a plan. You were made to do things for God. You were made to make a difference in this world. Now, I don't know why you came to Jesus. I don't know why. Everyone has different reasons for coming to Jesus. Everyone hears the call in different ways. But it was a very impressive parable told by a man named C.S. Lewis. And he told about how he came to Jesus because he thought that, okay, Jesus will fix some things in my life. You know, Jesus gives me happiness. Jesus gives me peace. I have a stressful week. I come to church. I praise the Lord. And my life feels good. Then I go back and do everything else. But Jesus gives me that happiness. Jesus gives me that peace. And maybe I have a problem with drinking or maybe I'm slightly violent. And so the Lord kind of, you know, gives, helps me. I can go to him and ask for forgiveness. So that's what I want the Lord to do. But the rest of my life, Lord, don't touch. And so he brought this out in a parable. This is what he said. He said, when you want to renovate your house, you call the interior decorator. And the interior decorator comes and you say, okay, you know, I want a new carpet. I want a new TV. I maybe want a new piece of furniture here. And so can you please come and get me a new piece of furniture, give me a carpet and give me a new TV, and then that's done, you leave. Some of us go to Jesus like the interior decorator. I want a new couch, I want a new carpet, I want a new TV, then leave. And I come see you once a week, you come sit in my living room. But then C.S. Lewis says, the interior decorator enters the house, and the first thing he does is smash down a wall. And the guy's like, why are you breaking down my wall? Interior decorator says, you'll see. And then he goes and pops a hole in the ceiling. He's like, hey, why are you breaking my ceiling? You'll see. Because what is the interior decorating doing? He's not here to renovate your house. He's here to build a mansion for him to live in. When Jesus comes into your life, when Jesus knocks on the door of our heart, when Jesus comes into our spirit, he's not here to renovate our lives. He's here to make us into a mansion fit for him. Living the life that God called us to live. You were called to do great things. You were called to be a new creature. So much so that people won't even recognize you. That's what happened. The first place where the Christians were called Christians in the Bible was in Antioch. And they were seen by people who had never seen Jesus before. But they had been getting documents about it. And they've been reading these documents and things. And suddenly the Christians show up and they're like... Yeah, Jesus went around everywhere doing good. These guys are doing good. Jesus went healing people. These guys are healing people. Uh, Jesus went showing love and sharing all things. These guys are, hey, these guys are like Christ. They're Christians. That's literally what the word Christian means, like Christ. 
And that's what the, the Greeks had nowhere to say. They're like, these guys look exactly like what I'm saying, so what I'm seeing, so let's call them Christians because these guys are mini Christs here on earth. Jesus himself said that. He said, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he left, what did he say? You are the light of the world. You are that city that is set on the hill that cannot be hid. You are supposed to be someone that people are drawn to. You are supposed to be someone that people see you, they say, this man has been with Christ. Acts 4.16 says, And when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and they said that, hey, these guys are ignorant and stupid fishermen. They were shocked. They marveled and took knowledge that these had been with Jesus. When you are with Jesus, when you are experiencing his new life, when it is not just in your heart, but it's in your head as well. And as you are living out what God has told you, you are in his word. Then you become a new creation. Recently, up in the mountains of India, I had a chance to meet a man from a very vicious, vicious tribe. And this tribe was known for having absolutely no mercy to anybody. You stole the guy's cow, he went and killed your entire village. And what he would do is he would start from the youngest to the oldest. So he'd kill all the kids, and then he'd kill all the women, and then he'd kill all the men, and finally kill the oldest guy in the village. And see, you're the wisest, you should have helped all these guys out. And everybody was afraid of this chief. One day, he came to Christ. He renounced his place as the head of the tribe, went and became a missionary, preaching to all the tribes that he had been killing people from. And people saw him, and first of all, they were freaked out. Second of all, they were confused. And third of all, they were astonished. They said, is this the same man from this same tribe? What is wrong with you? you? You are not yourself. You are a different person. And this man said, I am now from the tribe of Jesus. And I do what Jesus has called me to do. And in the tribe of Jesus, we love. In the tribe of Jesus, we forgive. In the tribe of Jesus, we share. In the tribe of Jesus, we bear each other's burdens. So fulfilling the law of Christ. In the tribe of Jesus, we don't look at somebody and say, you are from this tribe, I am from this tribe. We look at each other and say, we are sons and daughters of the king, so you are my brother. Welcome. In the tribe of Jesus, we don't look at ourselves and we say, I am inadequate, I cannot open my mouth and speak to people. Because in the tribe of Jesus, we know that it's not you that speak, but the spirit of your father which speaketh in you. In the tribe of Jesus, we no longer have to be slaves to our addictions and to our problems. We no longer have to do that because what does Jesus say? You are under a new yoke. You are under the yoke of the Lord. Take my yoke upon you for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We are no longer from any earthly tribe. We are of the tribe of Jesus and that tribe goes on to change the world. That tribe takes over the world. That tribe changes everybody they meet and everyone they come in contact with until as we pray every day in the Lord's Prayer, 
God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven. Through his children. Through his redeemed new creatures. How do we do this? We are called, as it says, to be a new creation. We are called to be someone that God has created. And so the way to understand the way to be a new creature, we have to look back and see what was the old creation. Something very interesting here. Go to the book of Genesis. Chapter 1, when God's creating the world, God does two things. First thing he does, it says the spirit of the Lord moves over the face of the waters. And then God speaks. And creation is made. There is nothing. God's spirit moves. God speaks. And it is there. The two creation elements for you to be a new creature in this kingdom of God. You got to be filled with the spirit of God. And you got to have his word, not just living in your hearts, but living in your minds as well. This model was played out for us in the New Testament, in the book of Acts. The 120 people who were there in the upper room, they had had the word of God with them the whole time. The word of God was now in their hearts. And when they were up there on the day of Pentecost, what happened? The spirit of the Lord moved over them. And when that combination of the spirit and the word were put together, their lives were absolutely changed. And so I want to challenge you right here, right now, today. First of all, if you haven't, if you heard the call of God and you haven't answered, if you're here and you've not, you know, come before the Lord and asked, you know, to hear his call and to enter into his family, that is the first step. God is calling everybody and he wants you to be with him. The second thing, if you are already saved, but you feel that you are still living with the chain mind, still walking in the old circles of the old life, still belonging to the old tribe, the old man, and not belonging to the new tribe of Jesus, which changed this world, I ask you to do these two things. I ask that you pray here and now today for the Spirit of the Lord to fill you. Pray for an infilling of the Holy Spirit to take over your life, to fill your heart and your mind with everything that God has to give you. Because the fruits of the Spirit, as we said in Galatians, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. All these things come when the Spirit is within you. And then, once you are filled with the Spirit, once you're experiencing that, once you are starting to live it, keep reminding yourself of the Word. Keep reminding yourself of the Word. What did Jesus say I am? Who did Jesus say I am? What did Jesus say I'm supposed to do? What is the calling that He has given me? How does a new creature look like? And as you are reading the word, as you're filled with the word, as you are studying the scriptures more and more and living them out in your everyday life, you change the pattern of your brain. And then the thoughts that start entering your mind are not the old thoughts. The two, three hundred thoughts that become conscious are not the old thoughts. They're the new thoughts. Go speak to this person. Go approach this person. Go do this new thing. Because it will be the Lord who is directing your heart and mind through the voice of his word.
And so, I'd like to ask all of us to stand. And I ask that you please bow your heads as we pray right now that the Lord's will be done and that he fills us with his spirit. Sweet Jesus, I thank you. I thank you you came into this world, Jesus. I thank you that you lived the life that we should have lived and you died the death we should have died and you rose again so that anyone who hears your name anyone who believes that you have died and raised from the dead those of us who confess with our hearts confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts we are saved and I thank you Jesus that it was an invitation to come into your family it was an invitation to be a child of God as it says in the book of John, it says, As many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God, the sons of the King of the universe. But Jesus, you didn't just give us that call to become your children. You gave us the call also to become a living sacrifice for you. You gave us the call to be like you, to be like Christ. As the Greeks in the Old Testament said, these guys look so much like Jesus, we would mistake any one of them for Jesus. That's why we call them Christians. Jesus, you have inducted us into your tribe. We now belong to you. Teach us how to live as members of your tribe. Teach us how to live lives of freedom. Teach us how to live lives of love. Teach us how to live lives of courage. Teach us how to live lives of generosity. Teach us how to live lives of miracles. Teach us how to live lives empowered by your spirit where nothing can get us down, Jesus, where nothing can affect us, where nothing can hurt us, Jesus. We know that nothing separates you from us. Nothing can take away what we have. And I pray, Jesus, help us to live it. Help us to go out and be the ones that you have called us to be. Living as your mouthpieces in this world just as you were the light of this world Jesus I ask that you help us to shine that same light to others help each one of us to become cities set on a hill in our neighborhoods in our households in our villages in our cities in our nation and eventually the world because you have a great purpose for us you have a plan for this earth and that plan is redemption that plan is restoration that plan is all things made new, being made new through us, your new creatures. Lord, I pray for an infilling of the Holy Spirit on every person in this house right now, Jesus. I pray that just as on the day of Pentecost, you poured your spirit down from heaven like tongues of fire and their lives were changed, Jesus. I ask you fill us with your spirit right now. Give us the spirit that we need, Lord, and help us not to ask for the Spirit to look for the gifts, Jesus, but to look for the Spirit for the fruits so that we can be like you and have your love and your joy and to be your vessel on this earth. And I pray that you please help us as we leave the church today. Help us not to leave this message behind, Lord. Help us not to leave our Bibles aside till we pick them up on Wednesday for the Bible study, and then again on Sunday for the service. Help us to take that Bible home and read it every day. Help us to understand what it means to be one of your tribe.
because if we know Jesus, if we do your work here on this earth, if we follow the will of your Father which is in heaven, as you said in your word, if we confess you before the nations on that day when we stand before you, on that day when we approach your heavenly throne, it is you who will confess us before the hosts of heaven and before God himself. Lord, we are so unworthy. We are so unworthy, but we thank you for your call. And we ask that you please take our bodies right now as a living sacrifice because it is our reasonable service. Help us to love you. Help us to serve you. And as we all said, which is the vision and mission for this church, to love God, to love others, to be passionate for you. Help us to live that out, not just in the services, but in every day of our lives. To your honor and your grace to fulfill your will on this earth as it is done in heaven. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. It's nightlight. What a delight. Well, David spent a very exciting and fruitful month in Uganda. And before he left, I was able to record three of his excellent Bible classes, which you'll be able to enjoy on upcoming nightlight shows. There's a great need for Bible teaching here in Uganda, as there's such a great hunger for the word. And we're looking forward to more teachers coming on short-term mission trips in the coming year. One thing Ugandans are not short of is praise and worship teams. And if you go to any Ugandan church, you'll spend a good deal of the time singing and dancing and praising the Lord. And we'll end with a live performance by the Watoto Children's Choir. These are orphans in this choir, and this is a very well-known praise and worship song in the Ugandan style of music called Wipalo. Enjoy. Did you find them dancing in the house of 